0: My body, whether it be by life or by death, for to me to live his Christ and to die his death. Could be in the Lord's house today for the martyrdom which you open up.
1: 23, there is power in the blood, hymn number 23.
2: Could you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood, power in the blood.
1: take our offering this morning. Kaylor, would you pray for us, please? I think you may be seated.
3: Precious, loving family, and a house that we call home. The promise of eternal life because of Calvary. A peace that's settled in my heart since the day that he saved me. It was impossible Shelter of His wings.
1: for all that he has done. Yes, amen. We stand as we sing Him number 207, Only a sinner saved
0: by grace. be seated I was just a child When I felt the Savior leading, I was drawn to things I could not understand, and for the cause of Christ, I have spent my days believing. As I've come to see the weaker side of me. I realize His grace is what I need. When sin demanded justice for my soul, mercy said no. I'm not gonna let you go. I'm not gonna let you slip away you don't have to be afraid mercy said no sin will never take control life and death stood face to face darkness tried to steal my heart away thank you Jesus mercy no. For God so loved the world that he sent his son to save us. From the cross he built a bridge to set us free. Oh, but deep within our hearts there is still a war that we Makes a sacrifice so I to see And as midnight fell on crucifixion day Oh, the light of hope seemed oh so far away And as evil tried to stop redemption's glow Mercy said no I'm not gonna let you go. I'm not gonna let you slip away. You don't have to be afraid. Mercy said no. Sin will never take control. Life and death stood face to face. Darkness tried to steal. Said no, and now when heaven looks at me, it's through the blood of Jesus, reminding me of one day long ago. Take control. Life and death stood face to face, darkness tried.
1: Praise the Lord. It's good to be in the Lord's house today and to have each one of you with us. If you would, take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. I want to say uh, thank you for uh, all the nice comments of being missed last week. It was good to go on vacation, just get away. um, Not to have the stress of uh, spending time... Preparing messages and so forth, and just being able to get away, uh, it was a um, good time. And so, we appreciate those times away where, uh, as a husband and wife, we can connect more and then be able to just get a break and relax a little bit, have some fun. Uh, and so, uh, we know that you had good preaching while we were gone. And we had good preaching while we were gone. We went and visited uh, some churches down there in uh, the Branson area and uh, had good fellowship there. Uh, But there's no place like home. There's no singing like this place. And there's no singing where I get to participate in the singing. You know, it's like every place else I go, they sing it wrong. (laughs) That's not the way we do it at home. Uh, you know what I mean? It's just, it's just comfortable at home, right? My home is comfortable. I like going into my house. I don't have to ask permission. I kick my shoes off wherever I want to kick them off, and I just enjoy it. And I love being here. I love being here because you are here. And uh, it's just great to walk in, see friends, and have people say, hey, we missed you, and I feel like, Most of you meant it, and, uh, you know, I know you did. Um, And it's just good to be home. I was thinking about all that transgressed this week. Man, what a week, huh? I feel so sorry for Israel, but I know these things must come to pass. Uh, If you study scripture, you know. And it's like, um, so when I was in junior high, we... uh, we would get out of school, and the school buses had been lined up in front of the junior high, and there was a little Methodist church right across the street. And if there was going to be a fist fight, that's where it was going to happen. And so, uh, and so the guys who were going to the buses, they had a certain amount of time to get over there, and if they were going to fight, get it on, get it done, get on the bus, get out of there. I never will forget one day, I'm over there in the... Methodist churchyard, and these two guys are getting it. I mean, they are going after it. And uh, this one guy was really awkward, um, borderline super slow, if you know what I mean. And this other guy had been picking on him, and just picking on him, and picking on him, and picking on him. And every time he punched that kid in the nose, he said, I told you to leave me alone, Robbie. And he'd rear back, he hit him again. I told you to leave me alone. And I feel like that's what Israel said. I told you to leave me alone. I told you to quit picking on me. They didn't go out aggressively. Anyhow, that's a different sermon. That's not what we're preaching today. It's just memories, precious memories that we have. But they're going to learn they should have left them alone. They should have left them alone. You don't mess with God's people. I will say I am shocked and thankful for the way that we have responded and I, uh, I'm, I'm afraid if Americans hadn't been, some of the casualties that our response may not have been what it was, but I'm thankful as a nation that we have stood because of the American lives lost, and we need to pray for them. I trust you pray every day for the nation of Israel. Romans chapter 10. Would you mind standing with me today? <clears throat> This is such a familiar verse, a familiar chapter. Here's the thing. Familiarity breeds contempt, or familiarity gets us to a point where we just kind of forget, right? So it's good every once in a while just to go back to the roots, go back to the basics, go back to the, the foundation of what, uh, uh, of what Scripture says. And so today here in Romans chapter 10, you follow along, or I'll begin reading verse number 1. Brethren, so he's writing to save people, right? Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they be saved. And this isn't a physical saved. He's talking about spiritually saved. He wants to see Israel saved. And, and above all else, that's what I want, right? Uh, if we are children of God, we want Israelites to be in heaven. Uh, we know they're God's people, but that doesn't, that's not going to get them to heaven. Being God's people, not going to get them to heaven. Uh, being made in the image and the fashion of God not going to get us to heaven. It's about a personal relationship. Verse 2. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. I preach a month right there. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Praise God. Hallelujah. We ought to have uh, sparklers going off. I mean, praise God for that verse right there. Verse 5. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is by the law that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. Man, I'm so glad that we don't live under the law anymore. Amen. Verse 6, But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up again from the dead. So in, in our relationship with Christ, We don't have to go to heaven to try to get him to save us, and we don't have to go to hell to try to get him to save us or to the grave. It's not like that at all. It's his righteousness. Who shall uh, descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith. If you underline your Bibles, you all just underline that word of faith which we preach. As a matter of fact, if anyone preaches a different gospel than that, don't listen. It not have anything to do with them. They're a liar. Verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bringeth glad tidings of good things. So I want to preach to you today a message of what does everyone, everyone, I'm talking about everyone, what does everyone need to know right now? What is the one thing that everybody in the world needs to know right now? And I've, I, like, I got in a title mood, so I've got a second title. Why the Lord's faithful need to share it. Why the Lord's faithful need to share it, let's pray. Lord, we love you. And we thank you for our time together this morning. Lord, we don't want this to be some religious exercise. Lord, we want to meet with you. We have desired that through the singing of songs, through the giving of offerings. Lord, we have come to praise you, to acknowledge you, and to exalt you. Lord, we want to hear from you today. Lord, my desire is that I would just be a conduit or a tool in your hands to be used for your glory. Lord, those things that I've studied and thought about this week, I pray that you would bring them out as you would see fit, Lord, that we might be challenged from your word today, that we might learn more about you, that we might know some things that are settled for sure, and then that we would do what we're supposed to do with what we know. Thank you for your goodness and your love to us. We ask these things in your blessed and most holy name, and all the people said, amen. You may be seated so what is the one thing that everybody needs to know right now it's not that israel is under attack and we need to pray for them we do it's not that as you get older you need to prepare for retirement that you need to do the one thing that everyone needs to know right now is that they're saved they're saved and on their way to heaven you might say, Pastor, why is that so important? Well, there's three reasons that I want to share with you. One is that we might die today. When you die, your plans and your dreams end. Okay? It, I mean, you can be laying there on your deathbed with all these great plans and all these great dreams. You know, I'm going to paint the house this summer. I'm going I'm to mow the grass tomorrow. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. When you take that final breath, that's done. It's over. You don't even get to plan your, your funeral, if you would. You have no control from that point on. It's done. It's done. There's no second chances, by the way, no matter what the Catholics would have you to believe as far as uh, going to a, a purgatory and then moving up from there. Listen, you have the opportunity now to accept Jesus. Now is the day of salvation. If you do not accept him now, while you're yet breathing air, you will not get a second chance. Two. Two is that you have loved ones who might die today, and you ought to want them to go to heaven. One of the greatest heartaches I would know, I think, would be having one of my children not going to heaven. Probably greater than that would be have grandchildren not going to heaven. I love my grandchildren. and something that only when you become a grandparent do you understand. And I hear that great-grandchildren are greater than grandchildren, so I think that would just emphasize that even more. Our families, we should want them to be in heaven with us. Third is, who do you hate so much that you don't want them to go to heaven? three great questions when you think about it so i want to talk to you about being saved um and, and you you know what it's like you go to independent baptist church we use saved a lot we sing about being saved we talk about being saved so saved is a word that we should we should understand it's something that we should grasp when uh, Ilalo would if I'm talking to him in conversation and, and I say something about being saved, he just automatically goes, oh, that means that he knows that if he were to die right now, he would go to heaven. It's settled. It's taken care of. It's clear. And every child of God, it should be clear. Clear. Not, oh, you know, I hope so. Hope so means you don't know and you need to get it settled. Right? Right? I I don't hope that I'm married to Mrs. Metzinger. I know I'm married to Mrs. Metzinger. I know it. I bear proof and record, and we've got the little certificate someplace, and all those kind of things. I know that I'm married to her. I know that I'm saved. It's settled. It's taken care of. And so it ought to be in each one of our lives. And so that's the reason for this, if you would, simple sermon And not only for that, but I think that it would kind of behoove all of us to make sure that we understand how these verses unfold so that we might tell others. You say, well, that's what we hire you and Brother Lalo for. Mm -hmm. Wrong answer. Wrong answer. You have the responsibility to tell others about Jesus Christ. You have that personal responsibility to share Jesus So let's talk about it. you want to take some notes that great, if you want to write there in your Bible, that's great. We start with verse number eight, and we talk about the phrase, "The word of faith." It says, "But what saith it? The word is nigh thee even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith, which we preach. The word of faith. It's not of law or ordinances. We're not saved because we do this. We're not saved because we do that. We're not saved because we've done anything other than accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Things that I do cannot save me. There's not some religious exercise that I can be involved in. It is a word of faith that I put my faith and my trust in him. The righteousness of God is gained by faith and not of works. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 tells us, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. No one's going to stand in heaven and say, I got here my way. Uh Uh-uh. Not going to happen. We're all going to stand in heaven and say, I got here through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And because of his shed blood there on the cross of Calvary, and because I practice Verse number 9 and 10 in the portion of Scripture we're going to read today. Heaven is my eternal home. I know that I'm saved. I know that I'm on my way to heaven. Notice that this word of faith can and will meet anyone's need for salvation. It can and will meet everyone's need of salvation. In other words, it doesn't matter if you're white, black, uh, Mexican, Puerto Rican. uh, It doesn't matter. We all go to Jesus, we'll all go to heaven the same way. Even the Israelis. They can only go to heaven one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. You would think if there's ever one that would go because of a blood or a lineage or a family, that the Israelis would be the ones, but they're not. Not without accepting Jesus Christ. It's the only way to heaven, is through Jesus. Notice that it's also freely given to all From God through Jesus Christ. Whoever wants it can have it. Whoever wants to go to heaven can have this gift of salvation. Whoever wants it can know that they're saved. So our second point is this. How does this word of faith work? How does this word of faith work? Well, look at verse number 9. There in verse number 9 we read that, "...if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus..." and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Or as my good friend Dave McCracken would say, thou shalt be saved. We're saved. We're saved. We're saved. We're saved. We know it. We know it. Know it. I don't doubt it. I don't question it. I know that I'm saved. You can't take it from me. You can take everything else I have from me. You cannot take my salvation. I am saved. Verse 10. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The first te- step of salvation is confession. Confession. I've sat through several soul winning programs, and it seems like they all start out with this first, the first step in leading someone to Jesus Christ, is that they have to confess they're lost. They have to confess they need a Savior. Now, you know, when I was a kid, that was an easy step. Hey, Johnny, do you know that you're a sinner? Nope. Did you ever take something that you shouldn't take, like a piece of gum? Yep. Well, you're a sinner. Okay, I'm a sinner. Nowadays, it's a whole rational thing. Well, now, the gum was just sitting there, and Mom didn't really care if I took it. So I really, I really, it wasn't like I had this plan to be a sinner. I wasn't, you know, I just, well, wait just a minute. Let's understand that we are born into this world a sinner. Each and every one of us. My wife is showing me baby pictures of uh, uh, Hillary um, Moeller Brumbaugh and uh, just had a baby uh, like 15 pounds and, no, I'm teasing Nine pounds, almost ten pounds, and walked out with a suitcase and a hat on and uh gonna go drive a car tomorrow, I think. But anyhow, she showed me this picture of baby, and you know, babies are, are beautiful. I love babies. I love to go see babies, I love to hold babies, I love to give babies back. I'm a grandpa. When you're a new grandpa, that doesn't make a lot of sense, but when you get a bunch of them and you get some age on you, some seasoning, you like to see them go too. You like to see them come, you like to see the taillights go. It's kind of like, I noticed Lalo out the other day. Lalo had uh, bought a dog since they've gotten here, Nova. Nova was this cute little ball of fur. Nova is now growing. Puppies are beautiful. My wife always, you know, she pulls at my heart. Oh, would you like to have this puppy? I said, yeah, but it's going to grow up. That's when the rubber hits the road, you know. They end up being like Ruby and lives 18, 19 years. I'm I'm not raising children, right? Even, I'm not raising dogs that long. She is, I'm not. The first step of salvation is confession. We need to realize that we're a sinner. It used to be easy for us to realize that, but now it's difficult. Now it's hard. What it comes down to is that we realize that we need a Savior, that we are sinners, that we have done wrong. We have lied, or we have cussed, or we have told mistruths, or we have taken things that are not really ours. Confession is that point where we come to that we we make known that we have done wrong and we can only then be granted forgiveness. So if if someone ever wrongs you and you say, hey, I forgive you for that wrong, does that free them from asking for forgiveness? Not really. I mean, you're not going to hold it over them, but they still, for them... They owe the responsibility of saying, I'm sorry. It's good for the person who has wronged somebody to admit that they are wrong and to confess it. I was wrong. I did you wrong. I'm sorry. Would you please forgive me for the wrong that I did? I took stuff from you that wasn't mine. I am sorry. Will you please forgive me? That was wrong of me to do that. I should not have done that. I shouldn't have taken that piece of gum out of your purse, Mom. I shouldn't have taken that $10 out of your purse, Mom. I shouldn't have taken the last cookie off the cookie tray, Mom. Whatever it is, we come to the point that we need to verbalize, I'm sorry, please forgive me. For some reason in our society today, that's not a popular concept, but it's still necessary. Because when we teach our children the necessity of saying, I'm sorry... To whoever it is, I remember one time we were down in Branson, Missouri, and we were at a Taco Bell. It was probably about 9.30 at night. I don't know what we'd been doing. We're sitting there with our sons, Nathan and Ben. And Nathan undoes his straw, and I'm thinking, oh, no, oh, no. And he blows the end off of it, but he misses his brother, and it goes to the table behind us. What do you think I did, Lolo? I made him get up and go to that table and apologize. You're such a mean dad. You're such a mean dad. He needed to apologize. He had done wrong. He had done wrong. He needed to apologize. For some reason, we've got it in our minds that there's a scale of, of where we need to apologize and where we, where we don't. But it's a confession. It's all about confession and it's good for us to ask forgiveness and when it comes to the confession of our sins there is one and one alone that we need to confess to is Jesus Christ Jesus has already paid the price on Calvary he did not make a down payment hallelujah he did not take out a loan praise the Lord but he didn't even put your salvation on a credit card are you grasping that he didn't take out a loan. He didn't put it on credit. He didn't put it on a credit card. He paid in full. Why? So that you can be saved. That you can know that you're saved. Well, you know, it's on, a, it's on two years free interest. I hope that he finishes paying it somewhere along the line so I'll know for sure that I'm saved. No, he paid it all. He paid it all. He, by the way, he was the only one who could pay it all. The only one that could pay the price? He's paid it all. What was the price? It was his life's blood that bought our salvation. Through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, only he was the one who ever qualified to pay for the sins of the entire world. He was the only one who could do it. And why did he do it? Because he loves us. Don't ever forget how greatly you are loved. John three sixteen for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I love this one. Romans chapter 5. But I want to look at 7, 8, and 9. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet preadventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, we weren't a good man. We weren't a righteous man. We were sinners. He died for me as, a sinner, as I was a sinner. Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. How do you know that you're saved? Because Jesus died for me. I confessed my sins. I accepted that gift of salvation. Jesus died for us while we were dirty, rotten sinners. That that just baffles my mind. Why? Why would God die for me? A dirty, rotten sinner. Why wouldn't he die for some righteous person? Why wouldn't he die for some rich person? Why wouldn't he die? Because he died for the sins of the entire world. Confession is mixed with belief. There in verse number 9, the second part, says, And thou shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made to salvation. So what do we mean to believe? Well, Webster talks about belief and he says, to credit upon the authority or testimony of another, to be persuaded of the truth of something upon the declaration of another or upon evidence furnished by reasons, arguments, and deductions of the mind or by other circumstances than personal knowledge. When we believe upon the authority of another, we always put confidence in it. Here's where I came to realize I needed a Savior. Through His Holy Word. Wasn't some emotional ooey-gooey thing. Wasn't that they played one song 500 times and people were swaying in the crowd and I just felt this big wave of emotion. And I know that I'm saved because I had this big wave of emotion. No, 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 you're not saved you're not saved. You had a big emotional event in your life, but you're not saved. Salvation requires something of you. It requires belief. Now, that word belief is also interesting in the fact that it's not just an acknowledgement of, it's an acceptance of. It says even the devil's believe. they know what's coming. That's why that every time they encountered Christ, they're begging, no, 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 please, not now, not now, not now. I had to come to a point, I knew about God. Even going to the dead church I was raised in, I had heard enough that Jesus was this figure, but until I came to the point that I put my belief in what he did through this word right here, it did no good. Do you believe in Jesus? Yes, then you're saved. No, you're not. Not what the Bible says. There's no confession. I've got to confess, right? I mean, is that what the book said? What the Word said? We're talking about what does the Bible say? Not what do you feel? Not what are you holding on to? What does the book say? The book says I have to confess and I have to believe. I have to believe. I know in my heart, I know that I'm saved. You can't take it from me. You can't make me doubt it. How do you know, preacher? Well, because I believe the book to be the word of God. And it's there in the word that if I would confess and believe, he, and confess my sins before him and believe in him, that he would, he would then do the act of
4: saving me.
1: We believe upon the authority of Scripture. Notice our believing takes place in the heart, our inner being. With our heart, we believe unto righteousness. Why believe? Because no one can believe for you. I can't do it for you. I love, I love these young people sitting right here. I love them. I was sitting here thinking about how this row has changed. This, this row of fine young men here has changed over the last five years. Branson used to sit here. Trenton used to sit here. One time Stephen used to sit here. And they all got these things, and now they prefer to sit with their wives. They should sit with their wives, right? It'd be really awkward if they were sitting down front here, still on this road. It'd be awkward. They grew. They understood. They, they, They exercised the... Uh, called they got their wives and they they exercised that and they moved away but i'm still thankful that there's still a row of young people still here right our girls they usually get married and leave us you girls the only way you can get married to bring them here okay raise your right hand repeat after me no i'm sure the parents would all agree we must believe. There must come a point in our lives that we believe what the Bible says. It must be a personal thing. No one can do it for you. It's a personal thing. What, what is it then that we need to believe, preacher? Well, we need to believe what we read in the scripture. Let me point out, when it comes to believing in Jesus, it's not just his death that we believe in, but more importantly, his resurrection. So I believe that Jesus came from God, the Son of God, to this earth, that he lived a sinless life while he was here, that they crucified him on the cross of Calvary, his blood was shed for the remission of sin, that they put him into a grave, and three days later he came forth victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And the Bible tells me he now lives at the right hand of the throne of God, making intercession for us. That's what I believe. I know that I'm saved. Because Jesus came and lived and died and rose again and seated at the right hand. He's going to come again. We know twice he's going to come in the clouds to call his children home. Amen. Can't wait to go. I was hoping that I'd go during vacation, not have to drive home. I'm still hoping he'll come tomorrow, or today, or before we're done here. Well, I'd like to have invitation first. But I'm looking forward to going. If I don't go that way, I'll go the death route. It'll be fine. I know where I'm going. I've got the ticket. I just don't know how it's going to be. Am I going to go in coach, or am I going to go through a coach, or am I going to just go off the ground? It, It really doesn't matter. I know that I'm going. He's our risen Savior. Let's think about this, third point. After salvation, then what? Now that we're saved, now that we can tell people that we're saved, does that stop? No, but can I say that this is where the majority of Christians are today? It's stopped. Well, I know that I'm saved. I'm not worried about anyone else. I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. Whoa, 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 you're missing the rest of the chapter here. Look at verse 11. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord overall is rich unto all that call upon him. Just saying basically that everybody gets saved the same way if you're going to go to heaven. Verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? Or how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. So I know we're quick to point out verse 14, the word preacher. And then verse 15, preach. And we go, oh, that lets me out. It's the preacher's job to preach. You know, in reality, we're all preachers. You just have a different pulpit than I do. I used to have a pulpit at Ed Roberts Chevrolet. I used to have one at uh, uh, Venture Automotive. I used to have one at Reliable Chevrolet. I used to have one uh, out here at uh, uh, Ready Services. I used to have one at Montgomery Wards. Every place that I went, I had a pulpit, I had an opportunity. Now I have a pulpit at uh, 20910 West 58th Street and affect my community, those around me. My responsibility is to share Jesus with them. You say, that's good because you're the preacher. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what we're all supposed to do. We're all to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Salvation is something that we should not be ashamed of. Salvation is something that we should long to tell others about. It's the greatest gift ever given has been given to us, and we need to share it. Brother Scott, you ready? Okay, watch this, and then I'll come back, make a few notes, and we will close.
5: And he walked over to me and he said um, I was here last night at the show and uh, uh, I saw the show and I liked it and I wanted it. And he was very complimentary about my use of language and um, complimentary about you know honesty and stuff I said nice stuff no reason to go into it but he said nice stuff and then he said I brought this for you and he handed me a Gideon Pocket Edition. Um, I thought I said from the New Testament, but I also thought it was Psalms from the New Testament, right? uh, Psalms from the just part of the New Testament. Little book about this big, this thick. He
4: said, "I wrote in the front of it, and I wanted you to have this." I'm kind of uh, proselytizing. And then he said, I'm a businessman,
5: I'm, I'm sane, I'm not crazy. And he looked me right in the eye and did all of this. And, uh, it was really wonderful. I believe he
4: knew that I was an atheist.
5: But he was not, uh, defensive. And he looked me right in the eyes. And he was truly complimentary. It wasn't in any way, it didn't seem like empty flattery. He was really kind and nice and sane and looked me in the eyes and talked to me. And then gave me this Bible. And I've always said, you know, that I I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever and you think that uh, well it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward and atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize just leave me alone keep your religion to yourself Uh, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? how much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that. I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you, and this is more important than that. And I've always thought that, and I've written about that, and I've thought of it conceptually. This guy was a really good guy. He was polite and honest and sane and he cared enough about me to proselytize and give me a, a Bible, which had written in it a little note to me, uh, not very personal, but just, you know, like to show and so on. And then like five phone numbers for him and an email address if I wanted to get in touch. Now, I know there's no God, and one polite person living his life right doesn't change that. Uh, but I'll tell you. He was a very 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 good man and uh that's really important and with that kind of goodness uh it's okay to have that deep of a disagreement i still think that religion does a lot of bad stuff but man that was a good man who gave me that book that's all i wanted to say
1: buy into the lie of the devil that I, I don't want to tell that person about my faith because I'm afraid they'll think I'm weird or I'm afraid they'll be offended but like Ben said how much do you have to hate someone to not even tell them about the heaven that you're going to how much do you have to hate
4: them if we're saved today We ought to be
1: tellers, tellers of what happened to us. You say, oh, I don't know, I don't know a soul winning plan. I've just given you the very basics and you can always tell people what happened to you, right? If it never happened to you, then maybe that's the key. You need to settle it today. You need to know that you're saved and on your way to heaven. And if you've settled it, then you need to do And you need to tell those around us. What's the most important thing that this world needs to know today? They need to know about Jesus, that they might be saved. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and your love to us. We pray that during this invitation time that you would work, that your will would be done in our lives and our hearts, and that you might be glorified through it all. We love you, and we ask these things in your precious name. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand. I'm gonna sing just as I am. If God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. I encourage you to come. If you're here without Christ as your Savior, if you'd come to me, we'll have someone take a Bible and share with you from the Word of God how you can know that you're saved and on your way to heaven. And you're whatever you whatever your need, would you come? Good to be in the Lord's house today. Uh, as far as announcements, we'll have the afternoon service at one o'clock. I encourage you to be back. Brother Lalo is going to be preaching for us, and the ladies have a ladies' meeting this Thursday night and it starts at six thirty. And uh, if you have any questions, you can see Mrs. Bloyer about that. Good to be in the Lord's house today, Brother Lyons. Would you dismiss us in prayer, please?